Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Stan. Welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. As always, i got to tell you about Football Insider. If you want access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns, you got to check it out. If you want a newsletter uh, exclusive to our subscribers delivered to your inbox every day, you got to check it out. If you want to be a part of our text subscription service, well, you got to check out Football Insider. Head to cleveland.com slash browns. There's a blue banner up at the top of the page. Click on that for details and to get yourself all signed up. Now, here's our podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Podcast. I am Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. I got up at 345, I guess it would be central time, uh, to come home from Nashville this morning. I was on the 4.30 shuttle, and uh, here I am. Well, at least, you ha- at least you had a 4.30 shuttle. Sometimes at, at these hotels, they don't even start the shuttles that early. So. <laughs> I know. I was lucky to get on the shuttle. How was your trip? It was It was interesting. I drove it this time. Um, I, there, was, there was actually another rider who drove down there as well, um, and I've, I've heard other people have made that drive. It's long, but it's not, I mean, it's not like a terrible drive. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, I got to see a lot of Kentucky all, I got to see all of Kentucky (laughs) and uh, then just got into that familiar drive from Cincinnati up to Northeast Ohio, which I could probably do with my eyes closed at this point. But you like to drive because you love to listen to podcasts. I mean, for you, it's like me time, isn't it? It's like it is the world (laughs) and you listen to podcasts. Is that what you did the whole time? Exactly. It's like, it's like my time that uh, I don't have anymore. So, uh, and for those listeners out there that have never heard, I was a bus driver at Kent State (laughs) when I was a student at Kent State. So I did a lot of driving then as well, um, driving around those buses. So the campus loop, campus loop, campus loop, stadium, whatever it was called. It might've just been called the stadium, all that stuff, everything, you name it. I I drove it. So any, any former Kent State alums out there, who uh, rode campus buses. I was one of the people driving them. Well, I rode the campus loop at, K- at KSU plenty, Dan. I was a little bit before your time, but I was a quite a frequent user of the campus loop. Well, you know who, who else was a campus bus driver? James Harrison. Oh. For about, not for very long, but James Harrison was a bus driver at one Well, now that's interesting. In his Kent State life. So see, <laughs> me, James Harrison, it's, that's how it goes. How about All Josh, right. did Josh Chris or Julian Elliman drive the bus there? 
No, no. I might have, uh, there's a chance that I might have driven Josh Cribs around. Because <laughs> there were some shuttles we did with the football team like early in the morning where we take him out to lifting or whatever. So I don't know. Who knows? Maybe Josh Cribs and I crossed paths long before he was ever a Cleveland Brown. Okay. Hey, speaking of quarterbacks, Josh Cribs, <laughs> former quarterback, how's that for a segue? We're going to spend a little time talking about Baker Mayfield and uh, his game uh, yesterday. Well, we're recording this on Monday. So his game Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. And it was, you know, I guess for me, and I said this on the post game pod, I think it was after you had left. I, to me, this was sort of the next step for Baker Mayfield. You, you know, mm-hmm. everything kind of starts with what happened in Pittsburgh. Like that Pittsburgh game was just a disaster all around. So then he goes to Cincinnati. And he lights up the Bengals, you know, 21 straight completions. That's, that's a game that Browns fans aren't going to forget. Um, but, you know, it kind of came with that caveat that, okay, it was the Bengals. And we still had that Pittsburgh game in our, that bad taste from that game in our mouths. And then in November, it sort of felt like, I, I guess it sort of felt like the rebuilding of Baker had begun, right? Obviously he had the bad weather and all that stuff, but it sort of felt like, this coaching staff said to him, Baker, stop turning the football over. And he hasn't. He hasn't turned the football over since that first pass against Cincinnati. And then yesterday, maybe we see that next step where they open things up a little bit. They let him get more aggressive, uh, throwing the ball downfield a little more. Maybe this is kind of their, their next step to test out what they're trying to rebuild here with Baker. That, that's how I felt kind of thinking back on that game. Yeah, and you know what? Um, I think that they were ready to unleash the passing game sooner than they did, but they didn't have an opportunity because of the three bad weather games at First Energy Stadium. I I certainly think that this was supposed to be a more explosive offense starting all the way back at square one. It was supposed to be that, but it took a while to get it up and running because of course, they didn't have an offseason. They didn't put it out on the grass until August. And, and Kevin Stefanski didn't see his team live until they went into Baltimore. He didn't know until then, what can Baker do? What can't Baker do? Does he function okay under center? Does he need to be on the keepers and get him out uh, you know, to the left or the right? Uh, you know, Does he do better in play action or whatever? He didn't know any of that stuff. Now, Kevin and Alex Van Pelt know exactly what they have in Baker Mayfield. And I think they wanted to crank it up sooner and they couldn't, but this was an opportunity in this game, like in the Bengals game, where they know that they're gonna win their matchups. They know the talent that they have. They know the offensive line that they have. And they know that when Baker gets those one-on-one matchups, that that these guys, that they can beat this kind of a defense. And they knew, they were toying with them. Right. I mean, they were toying with the Titans 28th ranked pass defense. This defense was no match for what the Browns have to offer. They do have a ton of talent and they've got really good coaches and they've got a good scheme and they have good play calling. And this defense just it was just a bad matchup for the Titans. Yeah, I think I know we're supposed to talk about Baker Mayfield here, but I do think this was sort of a testament to their coaching especially on the offensive side of the football. And you know what, honestly, I I shouldn't say just on the offensive side. Um, The defense was really good yesterday, especially in the first half. And then in the second half, they kind of hung on and and made a couple plays when they needed to. Uh, But I do think this was, we've talked about how good this coaching staff is all along. And I, I do feel like this was sort of that moment where they looked at Tennessee and they said, this is what we're going to do. 
this is how we're going to beat them. And they went out and they did it and they created those plays and those schemes. And um, they came up with a game plan specific to Tennessee as Kevin Stefanski has told us over and over again, you know, it's week to week. Right. And that's what, that's what good coaches do. And I, you know, I think that's, that's a big piece of why Baker Mayfield was so successful. The story coming into this season was that marriage of coaching and quarterback. So I do think the coaching is a big piece of this discussion that yesterday we kind of saw that marriage of coaching talent and quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was a, a very well coached, at least first half of the game. Now they were outscored 28 to three in the second half. And the truth of the matter is, you know, you just can't let that happen. It was two weeks in a row where it got way too close at the end. Okay. In Jacksonville, uh, the Jaguars scored a very late touchdown and they needed Andrew Sandejo uh, to catch that two-point conversion in the back of the end zone to make sure that that was not a tie ball game. In this particular game, they needed Andy Janovich uh, to, uh, to recover the onside kick to prevent a Hail Mary. So, uh, you know, you, you just don't want to let it get that close. But we can honestly say the game was over. For, for all intents and purposes, the game was really over at halftime. So they came out with a much better game plan on both sides of the ball. They beat the Titans at their own game, their play action game. The Browns had it just rolling. Uh, and then, as we know, they used the five-man defensive line to, to slow down Derrick Henry, and it, and it rattled them. I don't know if they were just absolutely not ready for that or if Derrick Henry wasn't ready for the intensity of the game. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what it was. But, you know, Sheldon Richardson, I thought, really set the tone. Uh, you know, with the stop on fourth and one and then the strip. So, yes, I, I think you have to really commend the coaching staff uh, for just coming out with a much better plan than what the Titans did early on. Well, I mean, it felt like the Browns showed up with the mentality this game was going to be a shootout. Mm -hmm. And the Titans kind of didn't, didn't join in. <laughs> and yeah. they tried to. They went for it on fourth and down. Fourth, uh, that fourth and one, they were aggressive. They didn't get it. And then they fumbled. And then the next thing you know, you're down three scores if you're Tennessee. I do wonder, you know, if this team's if the if these teams meet in the playoffs again. Obviously, I would expect the Browns probably in that case to be favored. I'd probably pick the Browns to win, but I do think Tennessee probably will look at that second half and say, "Hey, we can do some stuff against this team." Uh, but that's a chess match for another day. Uh, yes. Back to Baker. Um, I mean, is this? is this the best you've seen Baker look in a Browns uniform? I, I've been trying to rack my brain about like the Baker games and I can come up with moments and maybe there's some game from his rookie year or something I'm forgetting. Uh, and I could certainly come up with moments that I'm like, Oh, okay. That, that was something there. Right. You know, sometimes it's a throw like against Atlanta, his rookie year, or it's a moment where he gets hit in a helmet in Tampa and gets up and is unfazed and gets in the defense. Right. Right. Like those are moments where I'm like, okay, yeah, there's something there. Mm -hmm. This, I think this, this just because of the stakes, this game was better than the Cincinnati game. And I, and I know we're kind of mostly talking about the first half because they didn't really unleash Baker a lot in the second half. But I mean, is this the best performance you've seen from him in a Browns uniform? You know what? I mean, it, it, it was up there. It was up there because, like you said, because of the magnitude of the game. Uh, and he stayed interception free. He has now gone 156 passes without an interception. I think that's so important uh, to their success right now. So yeah, I would have to say it's, it's right up there. Uh, I mean, I think better is yet to come, but he, you know, because again, like you said, because of the level of competition of the Titans overall, not necessarily this past defense, because I thought that um, 
it, you know, it certainly wasn't one of the, the better pass defenses he's going to face even for the rest of this season, beginning Monday night with the Baltimore Ravens. He still needs to prove that. But yes, for, for this game in that moment, it was about as, as good as we've seen Baker put together a half. And what he did was he had fun and he played with confidence. And that's the key to Baker Mayfield. He has to be playing with that kind of confidence uh, to hit those kind of passes. When he's not playing with that swagger, that's when you see him get a little antsy in the red zone and sail the ball over somebody's head that's wide open. Or you see him underthrow somebody in the red zone or into the end zone uh, when he's not playing with the Baker swagger. And he got that yesterday. We saw him high-stepping down the field to celebrate with Donovan Peoples-Jones. We saw him slide <laughs> into <laughs> slide into the end zone as a member of the paparazzi to snap photos of Hollywood on the red carpet. That's the Baker Mayfield uh, that, that shines, that excels, the one that Browns fans felt madly in love with in 2018. And a little bit more of that is going to go a long, long way. So now we got to figure out why it happened, right? We talked about the coaching part of it. We talked about the, the Titans element of it, right? They don't have a great pass rush. They, they don't have a great defense. And not saying that to take away from it, right? Where no, nobody should be getting mad about like, well, now you're pointing this stuff out. I mean, that, that's what happened. But I know that you just put something up about Baker and, and kind of why he was successful yesterday. So kind of get into that and sort of the scheme elements, the play action stuff that, that you kind of found with why he was successful yesterday. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of reasons for it. First of all, let's start with the play action. So they beat the Titans at their own game with play action. This is why Ryan Tannehill is right up there at number six in the NFL with a 106, you know, point two rating or whatever it is. It's why Kirk Cousins is up there too. That's what this scheme does for these quarterbacks. It's a quarterback friendly scheme. So they really are, have been focusing more on play action since the bye. His numbers are amazing in play action and not all, all that terrific outside of play action. Let me see what I have here uh, as far as the numbers are concerned. So he's 30 in the NFL, third, number three overall in the NFL with a 121.9 rating when he's in play action. Nine touchdowns, one interception, and 66.1% completion percentage in play action. They've been using it more since the bye, okay? Three of his four touchdowns yesterday were in play action. So that is a key. In no play action, in no play action, he has he is uh, 28th in the NFL. So he goes all the way from third down to 28th. 28th in the NFL with an 85 point. 5.4 rating. This is for quarterbacks with a minimum of 20 passes. Um, and this is on pro, pro football focus. He's got 12 touchdowns and six interceptions in no play action. And he's completing 60.9% of his passes. It's a ratings difference of 36.5. That is huge. Uh, and once again, oh, and the Browns are tied for fifth in the NFL in running play action. They're running at 34 0.5% of the time. That's a lot of play action, but they're doing it more. Uh, in October, they were around 30%. They've kicked it up because there's such a marked difference for Baker in it. Yeah. And, and that's sort of, 
that was the the story of the offseason, right? That was one of the things that Kevin Stefanski was coming here to bring this system with heavy personnel, heavy play action. Um, and when you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, I mean, you can always sell play action. Uh, that, that's what a lot of people will tell you that regardless of who you have back there, you can always sell play action, but it just r- ratchets everything up when teams have to account for Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb running the football. And, and when you're Tennessee and you're all dialed up and you're saying, Hey, we're coming after you to stop the run because that's what this game was supposed to be about. You know, you're going to have plays like that Donovan people's Jones throw. Um, and you just saw Baker get more and more confident in that. The other piece of this, and, and again, I've got pro football focus open here too, mm-hmm. is the protection. And we know the differences in Baker's numbers under pressure yep. and kept clean. Yep. And pro football focus only credits him with four dropbacks yesterday when he was under pressure. Uh, three pass attempts, three throwaways, uh, a 39.6 rating. And, you know, those three throwaways, that's part of what the Browns are trying to get him to do. Yesterday, kept clean. Uh, 88.6% of his dropbacks, he completed 83.3% of his passes and had a 152.6 rating. Now those numbers are even higher than what he's normally doing when he's kept clean, mm-hmm. but that's the other element of this too, that you start mixing in this play action, you start taking away that pressure, giving him that time back there. And you see that ability, you know, again, going back to that rookie year, I've even made the comparison yesterday looked like Lincoln Riley and Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just great protection. Guys were open and Baker was delivering the football. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And I looked at, and next gen stats did some stats on on it too. Um, And so they had him at uh, pressured on only one of his 25 dropbacks in the first half of the ball game. He was kept clean on all four of his touchdown passes. And, and I mean, that's just absolutely key. I mean, you know, when he has that kind of time, that's when he's, you know, his deadly accurate self. Overall, when you look at Baker under pressure this season, he's 38th in the NFL with a 32 rating. Now there's not that many dropbacks. It's, it's, 91 of 359 dropbacks, but he's got one touchdown and four interceptions when under pressure. And he's got that 32 rating. I mean, that's not good. Um, When he's kept clean, he's got a 115.9 rating for seventh in, in the NFL, throwing 20 touchdowns and only three interceptions. So these are some of the things when you look at the analytics of it, you know, work him out of play action and make sure that he's being protected and he's dynamite. He's absolutely dynamite. It's when he is going to be under pressure against possibly the Ravens and maybe against the Steelers if they don't rest their starters in the season finale, that then we're going to see if they have a better answer for pressure schematically and if Baker Mayfield uh, can can thrive or excel under pressure, or at least do a lot better than he did uh, when he had it the first time around with Baltimore, when the coaches didn't know what to do with them yet, and against Pittsburgh. So we'll see, because there, there's just not that many good defenses that they have played so far this season. The Giants are playing better now. So, you know, that's going to be a game where 
you know, maybe they'll be a little bit tested more. The Ravens and the Steelers will offer, they'll offer some pressure and, and it'll be up to the Browns now to see if they can handle it. Yeah. It, you know, I think the, we, we always talk about, do we know who Baker Mayfield is, right? We always throw that out there. I feel like we kind of do, we kind of do know who Baker Mayfield is. And that's not to say there isn't room for growth because obviously there's all these circumstances around what he's dealt with over these three years in the league now is yeah. And in, in his third year in the league. Um, but I feel like at this point, we kind of know who he is right now. He's a guy that um, runs this offense really well when all the stuff around him works really well. And I, again, I think this last month, we've seen these little baby steps from Baker, from the guy who threw the pick six uh, on his first throw of the game, you know, against Pittsburgh, and then through another just awful interception to a guy that hasn't thrown an interception since that Cincinnati game and played great against Cincinnati and played great yesterday and made the, made the throws he needed to make in, in some of these other games. The name that kind of comes to mind is, you know, we always compare him to, well, nobody, nobody should be compared to Patrick Mahomes, right? But we always compare him to other quarterbacks. And I think the name we maybe don't throw out enough is Jared Goff. Because mm-hmm. if you kind of look at those under pressure, kept clean numbers, they're pretty similar. And then you throw in the coaching element, right? Mm -hmm. Sean McVay has built this great relationship with Jared Goff where he knows how to make Jared Goff successful. And that's kind of what you're trying to replicate here with Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield. You have a coach here who understands offensive scheme, understands how to put it together. And you're trying to build that relationship between these two guys where they just know how to pull the best out of each other. And your coach knows how to pull the best out of, out of his quarterback. And Again, this isn't to say this is Baker Mayfield's ceiling right here. Right? That's, the, that's the element we don't know, and we're going to get into that here in a little bit and the decisions the Browns have to make. But that, that's sort of how I've been feeling about Baker and Stefanski here, that they've kind of figured each other out, and they've figured out how to kind of maximize each other, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think he actually has verbalized to them, look, you've got to give me – you've got to let me run more play action. I think he's actually been able to tell them what he needs, and they're listening. Uh, I think they're really, really good with him and for his psyche. Uh, One of the things that I thought was really good that Alex Van Pelt did this past week when Baker was starting to kind of be a little bit too hard on himself about missing easy throws into the end zone. uh, You know, Alex Van Pelt was like, don't overanalyze it. You know, just you got to go play your game. And so I think they've been good. You know, Alex obviously played the position. He played quarterback in the NFL for a long time. So he understands the mental makeup of a quarterback. And I think he's done a really good job of managing uh, the, uh, the, the mental side of it for Baker. Because once again, I really do believe that with him, uh, you know, when he gets in that zone and, and he gets hot, then he just gets better and better. And, uh, and I, I think he can, uh, I think he can excel in this scheme. Uh, the thing that, that's going to be key is that he has to be able to play well against Baltimore and Pittsburgh because they're in the division. Other, other, some other quarterbacks might not need to, to do that against defenses like that four times a year, but he does. So that is going to be a key to his development. But this one game alone uh, kicked him up to number 12 in the NFL. I mean, he is number 12 right now uh, with a 97.9 rating, I think it is. And, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, they'll, you'll say you are what your record is. 
Well, a lot of times you are what your rating is too, you know? I mean, it is, you know, you can say what you want about who he's played or whatever, or the defenses, but that sort of evens out. And usually you kind of are what your rating is. And the number 12 NFL quarterback rating is consistent with his QBR now from ESPN and with his PFF grade. Uh, so they're all right around like 12, 13. And if he continues to have a couple more games like this, he's going to be in the top 10. And, and even if he doesn't, and then we're, we'll, we'll take a break here and, and talk a little long-term, but even if he doesn't, you, you can win with a quarterback who's in the top half of the league. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the future of Baker Mayfield uh, and something that you wrote yesterday. Back on our Tuesday Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. We are talking Baker Mayfield, uh, the performance that he had against the Titans. Um, you know, Mary Kay, this is sort of the nature, I guess, of, of this world we're in, where, you know, a guy misses two throws against Jacksonville, and all of a sudden, you know, the Browns are drafting a quarterback next year. Not, not that I'm saying we've said any of this, but this is just sort of the nature of the business. And then he has a game like he did against Tennessee, and, and now they're going to sign him to a 10-year extension. Um, <laughs> let's start here before we kind of get into the long-term stuff. You wrote something yesterday that uh, about the fifth-year option that I think is important. And of course, this pandemic has changed so much in sports. It's going to affect the NFL long-term. Uh, so kind of catch us up to speed on that. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a game-changer. Uh, I think all of us kind of thought that the fifth year option number for Baker Mayfield would come in somewhere around 26 or $27 million if you factored in the increase over this year. But it's not that. It's not even going to probably be close to that because of the pandemic and because of rule changes in the new collective bargaining agreement. There are now four different levels at which uh, you can at which you offer a player the option number and it gets a little bit complicated but the number that Baker would be at uh, which involves he's met his playtime threshold but he hasn't made a Pro Bowl uh, so he's in category level two out of these four levels and when you factor that in with revenue shortfalls that could bring the salary cap down all the way to its 2021 floor of $175 million, which is um, almost $25 million less than it is this year. So instead of it going up next year, it could fall to 175 and that's gonna impact everybody. It's gonna impact extensions, you know, for guys that, you know, like Wyatt Teller and, and you know, guys like that, that are do that you think are Ronnie Harrison, uh, that you would want to extend, everything's going to get a little weird. But the in its most simplest terms, Baker Mayfield's option number is probably going to come in under $20 million now. Maybe as low as $18 million for a level two class of 2018 quarterback, okay? That's significantly different than $27 million, okay, for one year a lot less so we had talked about you know the fact that these are guaranteed now right when you pick up the option in may you know 27 million dollars for baker mayfield in 2022 
was something that you would have had to at least kind of think about, right? Because if you had to pay somebody else to play quarterback for you, that was going to be a significant chunk of change. Now, knowing that there's a very good chance that that number is going to come in at 18 million, maybe a little more than that, uh, it's basically a no-brainer. So, and then you couple that with how he's been playing lately. At the very least, I think we can say right here today that they will be picking up his, his fifth-year option. So he, he's going to have potentially a couple more years potentially to prove himself and to show that he can be the guy to take this team to a Super Bowl, which is ultimately what they want to do. Right. So that, you know, it's all very important. It's, it's, remember that option is not next year. It's the year after next. So it's not his fourth year, it's his fifth year, which right. is actually 2022. Um, and that's important because I, I mean, I think for the most part, most of us believe that, you know, barring had this last month just been a disaster, mm-hmm. that Baker was going to get that opportunity to have a second year in this system and have right. a second year to kind of learn this system. It was just because that fifth year option is guaranteed now because you don't have that injury out. Like the Browns picked up David Njoku's fifth year option. If they come out of this year and they're like, uh, you know what, we're having some second thoughts about that. They can waive him. It's only guaranteed for injury. That's right. not the case anymore, starting with that 2018 class. So that kind of changes the math, especially at the quarterback position. <laughs> so um, even if you went through next year and for some reason Baker didn't progress the way you wanted him to, if you had him on the books for 18 million bucks, okay, that's fine. You can, you can live with that. Yes. Um, that, that, that is what it is. That's the cost of a quarterback these days. So a true great starting quarterback is going to cost you 30 million bucks. So 18 million for a guy, that's, that's nothing. Yeah. And to put that into perspective, as you mentioned, Dan, uh, the, the top quarterbacks in the NFL, I mean, really, the, the floor for the top guys is like $31 million. It's 31, and then it goes all the way up to Patrick Mahomes at $45 million a year. So he's number one. The number two, you've got Deshaun Watson at $39 million. Uh, and then you have a couple more guys in there. Uh, and then you get into the, like the Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, they're in like the 32, 33. Uh, so that's, that's the going rate now uh, for for a really good NFL quarterback. So $18 million. I mean, that's nothing. That is nothing. So I think we can honestly say they will pick it up. Now, does it mean that he is definitely the starting quarterback for the next two years? No, he probably will be. But like you said, they can get out from underneath that uh, pretty easily if they need to. Yeah. And, and so the, you know, the decisions they have to make with Baker, that fifth year option becomes a little bit easier, but you know, the, the extension is of course the decision they really have to make this off season. And, you know, I don't know where they're at with that. I don't know. You know, I don't think we can do this thing where it's like, Oh, look what he did against Tennessee extend him. And then if he goes out against Baltimore and throws two interceptions and they lose the game, it's like, Oh, no extension now. And I don't think that's how the Browns are looking at it, but this sort of lays the groundwork if he continues to play well and continues to grow. Maybe he goes out and beats Baltimore. Maybe he goes and beats Tennessee in a playoff game. Now we're starting to talk that this guy might get an extension and it might actually work out in the Browns' favor that it doesn't have to be a 35 or $39 million per year extension. 
maybe it would be a smaller, shorter extension. I just think this starts, you know, this performance starts to open the door now for taking those steps towards the Browns saying, yeah, we're going to do something with you this off season. Even if it's not Deshaun Watson money, we're going to do something with you this off season. But there's one, there's one kind of warning sign out there. And I know this is a, a name that triggers Browns fans a little bit. The Philadelphia Eagles right now, they jumped the gun on a Carson Wentz extension. They banked on the upside. They banked on him staying healthy and being the Carson Wentz that almost won the MVP. And now they're kind of in some trouble if they want to move on from him. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that Andrew Barry, who came from Philadelphia, spent a year there, kind of has, well, is going to have that in the back of his mind. And I'm not saying that Baker Mayfield is going to fall off the map like Carson Wentz did, but I think that's, that's going to serve as a warning signal for teams that if you're not sure, maybe just proceed with caution or maybe don't hand out that big number uh, that the Eagles did to Carson Wentz. Now the Rams did it with Jared Goff, a guy I mentioned earlier, and I'm sure they're happy with it, but I I do think there are some cautionary tales out there. And I wonder how the Browns with their, with the analytics and money ball approach might kind of approach an extension this off season. Yeah. I mean, I think as we kind of know, they never, um, they never thought that much of Carson Wentz to begin with. They never really thought that he was going to be that great. So I don't think they're very surprised by him. I think they fundamentally believe that Baker Mayfield is a much better quarterback than that. But, and I do think that he will have the rest of this season and the playoffs uh, to show them something. I I think he can actually earn that extension with a really good performance in these last four games and the playoffs. I mean, he can just kind of write his own ticket a little bit if he goes out and, and is, and he's the Baker Mayfield that they thought he was. And Andrew Barry was here when, when he was drafted that they thought he was when they drafted him number one overall, he's got that chance to do that. And, you know, and, and we'll see what happens. I mean, it, it, you know, he, he would have to play, he'll have to play well against the Ravens defense against the Steelers defense and against anybody in the playoffs. But I think the way they're built right now and the way they're set up right now, I don't know. It, it, it looks like he's a fit for them. Well, and here, here's the other question you always have to ask if, and I don't think, it, I don't think it was on the table this off season, but the question you always have to ask, whether it's two years from now, three years from now, if it's not Baker, who is it? Yeah. It, this team is not going to be in a position to pull an Arizona Cardinals or, you know, what the jets are, might, are probably going to end up doing this year. Um, you know, I, I don't know, maybe there's an opportunity like the Bucks had with Jameis Winston when they decided to move on and you end up getting Tom Brady or, or something like that. But um, that, that's always the other part of the equation. If you have, again, going back to this, if you have a coach and a quarterback that can learn how to win together, and it looks like Kevin Stefanski and Baker are heading that way, you know, what, what do you, if you make that decision and pull that trigger that you want to go a different direction, okay, who, who? <laughs> so there, there's just a lot of unknowns and there's a lot of, um, you know, if, if you're winning with a guy and you're not thrilled with him, okay, who are, who are you going to get? That's the question you have to answer before you can make a decision like that. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And I, I, at this point, I don't think it's going to come to that. I know you've mentioned somewhere along the line, uh, Matthew Stafford or his name has come up, you know, would, would you go out and would you get a Matthew Stafford? Uh, you know, he's, he's somebody, he's a name that people have asked me about, uh, it's a situation where I don't think the Browns want to have to ask themselves 
that question or come up with that answer. I think they feel confident that Baker is their guy and that they're not going to have to try to answer that question and try to find somebody else. And I think even though it's against right now, it's it was against Cincinnati that he had that lights out game. It was against Tennessee's 28th rank. I still think that they are seeing the lights come on for him in this offense. And I think that they believe that he is on track to be their guy and that they're going to be okay. Well, and, and to be completely, I mean, I, I think we're going to come away from Monday night feeling pretty good about things. I, I, I'm not saying he's going to throw four more touchdown passes and put up this, you know, I don't know, but I don't think we're going to come away from Monday night against Baltimore thinking, Ooh, I don't know about all this. Maybe we got suckered again. I do think this team is trending in the right direction. I think this quarterback is trending in the right direction. And that just, that just makes life easier for the Browns long-term um, if, if they can kind of bank on that stuff. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's based on that. It's based on that run game. It's based off of uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and it flows from there and they they've got it now. I mean, they, they, kind of have it figured out and and they know um you know they know how to how to call it and the guys are executing it and it's it's turning into a, a dangerous offense okay well feeling optimistic about the browns and baker after that win in tennessee with good reason uh the browns uh built that huge lead hung on in the end 41 35 winners and of course baker mayfield uh everybody's talking about him today had a fantastic game, and if he keeps doing that, he's going to make himself a whole lot of money uh, probably this offseason. That'll do it for this Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed everywhere you get your pods. Check out Football Insider at cleveland.com slash browns. The blue banner at the top of the, cage, top of the page, not cage, page. <laughs> Thinking about my daughter's hamster, I guess. <laughs> blue banner at the top of the page. Uh, for Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.